Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning, everyone. Are you all ready for the word this morning? I have something special for you today. It's usually every Sunday morning, but I feel today is going to be very special. We're going to um, continue on the subject of faith, and this morning we're going to discuss the relationship between grace and faith. So the title of my message this morning is Faith in God's Grace. Faith in the grace of God. But before we do that, let's recap briefly what we talked about last Sunday. We discussed the relationship between faith and knowledge. We learned that the knowledge of God and His Word are the foundation as well as the fuel that fuels our faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known or where the Word of God is known. That's the beginning of faith. We cannot exercise faith unless we know what God said about it. Amen? Unless we know what God promised. You cannot have faith in something that God has not promised you. That is why we say that faith begins where the Word of God is known. We have also learned that lack of knowledge or ignorance, spiritual ignorance, is the primary weapon the enemy uses against us, against believers and unbelievers. He takes advantage of our spiritual ignorance, and he uses that ignorance to kill, to steal, and to destroy according to Jesus' words in John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10. So he who comes to steal, kill, and destroy is the devil. He who comes to give life and even more abundant is the Lord Jesus. So any killing, any stealing, any destroying is not done by God. God is not responsible for the destruction that takes place. Amen? The devil is. And we have given him that access into our world when our forefathers disobeyed the Word of God. They introduced the curse on the planet through their disobedience. But thank God, Jesus came, and he reversed the curse. Not for everyone, only for those who believe. God said through Hosea that his people are destroyed. Why? because of a lack of knowledge. So if we desire to destroy the works of the devil in our lives or the lives of our loved ones, we must destroy the platform upon which he works. And we do that how? 
Anyone can tell me, if you've been listening to me, let's see. How do we destroy that platform the enemy does his work? By the renewing of our minds. Come on, guys. Are you, have you been listening to what I've been teaching all these days? You destroy his platform by the renewing of your mind. When you, when you fill your mind with the knowledge of God, darkness flees. Amen? A mind that is renewed by the Word cannot be deceived because you know the truth. And the truth makes you free. Amen? So a renewed mind becomes a fortified city against the deception and the attacks of the evil one. He will tempt you. He will attack you. But if your mind is renewed, you know the truth, and you will stand firm on what God has spoken. Amen? Now, hence the reason why God told us and instructed us both in the Old and in the New Covenant to meditate in His Word, not just sometimes, not five minutes a day, not ten minutes a day, but day and night. Listen to what he said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law, or we could say it, this word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And that is so true. How do you meditate day and night? By constantly having your mind on the things of God. While you go about your work, you think about God's thoughts. You think about the will of God, the Word of God. What does God say about this? And you meditate and you ponder on what God has already spoken or said. Do you know that worry is meditation in the words of the devil? That's what worry is. So instead of worrying, how, how many of you, as you go about your daily work, in the back of your mind, there is this worry that constantly at your at you what about this how am i going to make ends meet my child how 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 am i going to deal with this situation at work and you worry constantly worry that is meditation in the negative but there is a positive meditation as you constantly focus on what god has already said to you and what god has promised you Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Amen? You want peace? Keep your mind on the things of God. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. A spiritual mind is a mind that focuses on the things of God, things which are above, not things that are on the earth. 
in the New Testament. Romans 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What are we to do? We're not to be conformed to the ways of the world, not to think like the world thinks, but we are to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. Then, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He even told us what to meditate on. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is of good report, whatever is noble, whatever is just. Amen? So we need to discipline our minds to think on those things. And if you think on those things, your mind will be stayed on God. You will have perfect peace. Peace doesn't just come by praying about it. Peace comes when your mind is focused on the right things. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. So God has given us His Word because His thoughts are contained in His words. The time we spend studying and meditating the Word reflects how much we value what God has given us. Ten minutes a day, not much value. Amen? Jesus said in Mark 4.24, and I'm reading from the Amplified, the measure of thought or meditation and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. In other words, what you put into it, that's exactly what you're going to get out of it. Hello? Amen? You cannot expect to get any virtue and knowledge if you don't spend any time studying, meditating, thinking, pondering upon God's words. So how much do we really value the Word of God? How much time are we spending listening to the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word, thinking about the Word? Hello? The kingdom of God functions on this principle, sowing and reaping. You take the Word, you sow it into your heart, you meditate in it, and in due time a crop comes up. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Thirty-fold, sixty, a hundred-fold return. This is how God's kingdom operates. Now, a mind that is renewed in the Word of God is essential if our faith is to be fruitful and productive. That's what we discussed last week. Now, today, we're going to discuss and study the, the relationship that faith has with grace. So, the grace part is God's part. That's what God does or has already done. The faith part is our part. 
Now, when you mix the two, that's when you receive the blessing or the miracle. Salvation, deliverance, provision, healing, and whatever else we receive from God does not come by grace alone, nor does it come by faith alone. And sometimes we have the two extremes in the body of Christ. There is one extreme that says it's all up to God, meaning that God can do anything He wants to do whenever He wants to do it, independently of our own will or choice. Hello? Well, if God wants to heal me, He knows where I am. And many blame God for not receiving an answer to the prayer, thinking that, well, this might not be God's will. Hello? These are the people that say, well, nothing happens unless God wills it. That is not true. And they say, God is in control of everything that is happening upon the face of the earth. That is also not true. God is not in control because there are many things that God does not will and yet they take place. Hello? God does not will that we kill millions of babies through abortion. Hello? Yet, millions and millions of babies are daily slaughtered, murdered. Does God will that? Of course not. We need to understand that. There is a balance. Yes, we believe that God is sovereign. That means all-powerful and all everywhere. But there are many things that God does not will, yet they take place. And today, God is misrepresented by ignorant people calling it acts of God. Hello? Now, it is also not all up to our faith, meaning that if we believe strongly enough about something, make the right confessions, act a certain way, we can twist God's arm to move on our behalf. If I fast enough, if I pray enough, if I pay my tithes, if I attend, attend church regularly, then God, somehow, they believe that God is going to Look upon those things that we do and pour out His blessing. That is also not true. See, you can take any truth from the Bible to the extremes, and we need to stay in the middle of the road. Now, let me explain the relationship between God's grace and our faith, how they work together to bring the desired results. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 I want you to see that from your own Bibles. The Word says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So whatever you and I receive from God comes by grace through faith. Amen. By grace, God's part, through faith, our part. Now, God's grace, someone gave this definition 
concerning the grace of God. He said, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God's unmerited and undeserved favor toward us. It is independent of our holiness, behavior, independent and has nothing to do with our works, what we do and what we don't do. It is something that God bestows upon us out of His love, grace, and mercy. Amen? So you cannot earn God's grace. No one can. Are you with me? You cannot earn it through your conduct. Or else it would not be grace. Right? Grace is based, listen carefully, on who Jesus is and what He has already done for the whole of human race. The epistle to Titus says that the grace of God appeared unto all men. Yet not all men are saved or delivered because not all men have exercised faith in God's grace. So the grace of God is freely given to the entire human race. From God's point of view, every single person that has ever lived on the face of the earth has been given His grace. And grace, salvation, deliverance. Whatever we need, the grace of God has provided it. Meaning it's available. Amen? Before you ever had a need, God provided the provision. Before there was a problem, God anticipated and gave the solution. Already, it's done, finished. Wow, I thought you would shout right here. <laughs> Some people think, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my need is. Whatever your need is, whatever your crisis is, whatever your problem, God has already made provision long before you got here. And He did that through Jesus Christ our Lord. The grace of God has provided everything we will ever need and everything you will ever desire in Christ in order for you and I to live a godly life on this earth. And Peter proves that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us or given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Notice the words, has given. Has given is what? Present tense, past tense, future tense. It's past. God has already given. How shall He not with Him freely give us all things richly to enjoy? He who spared not His own Son, He has already given. God has anticipated every need that you and I will ever have before we ever got here, and by His grace, He made provision for those needs. Has given. Now, if you, if you, if you consider that, and some Christians' attitude, how they approach God. Oh, God, please move. Oh, God, please come down. Oh, Lord, can you please intervene? He has already done so. Give me more power. He has already given all the power that, that He has. 
I mean, where would he get it? Where would he get more power to give it to us? He's already given us the Holy Spirit, the very power and muscle of God. I mean, where would he get more power to give you? Where would he get more patience to give you? He's already given you the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is what? You don't need anything more than what you already have. You already got it. We just need to wake up to the fact what we have and start using it and exercising it. Amen? Now, from God's point of view, His work concerning our all-inclusive salvation is finished. Jesus said it on the cross. What did he say? It is finished. There is nothing you and I can add to it. If we add to it, we take away from it, from what he has done. You cannot add to it. The moment you add to it, you corrupt it. It is finished. Our response, now listen carefully. This is our part now. Our response to what God's grace has already done is called faith. That's a new definition I learned about faith. Our response, our positive response to what God's grace has already done is called faith. Faith appropriates what the grace of God has already provided for us. That's what faith is. It is appropriating what God has already given you. It is not trying to make God give you something or trying to move God on your behalf. God has already moved. Someone said God is not stuck. We're the ones that are stuck. We're not waiting on God, folks. God has been waiting on us all this time to wake up to the fact that you already are who he says you are and start acting like it. Amen? So remember this. Faith is simply our positive response to what God has already done through grace. It is appropriating what belongs to you in Christ Jesus. That is so simple. You're going to have to need help to misunderstand it. <laughs> Amen? Now, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's packed with power with knowledge, with spiritual understanding. The Scripture says that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has already blessed us. So, what does that do when you go to God and say, Lord, please bless me? You're calling Him a liar. That's exactly what we're doing. 
Or you go, Lord, please be with me or be with so-and-so. But God has already said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why are you asking God to do something he has already done? It means that you do not believe that he has already blessed you. So you ask him to bless you because you want something to feel or see or touch or smell. Do you see? Because we walk by sight and not by faith. Because we are carnally minded rather than spiritually minded. Hello? God has already blessed us. You are the blessed of the Lord. Blessed means empowered to prosper. Blessed means that God has spoken over you His divine favor. You are blessed. The Word says, blessed are you when you go out. Blessed when you come in. Blessed is the fruit of your body. Blessed are your storehouses, your bank accounts. Oh, no, but in the natural, you look at your checkbook and you say, you know, I'm blessed. That doesn't look like it. But we're not called to walk by sight. We're called to walk by faith. Faith sees what the natural eye cannot see. Hello? We are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What faith does is simply appropriate the blessing by releasing it into this natural, physical world where we get to taste, see, and feel it. It is the invisible hand that God has given us, faith, that reaches out into the spiritual realm where already you have whatever you need, whatever you will require to fulfill the call of God, takes what is yours and brings it back into this natural physical world where we can put it into use. As long as it stays in the realm of the Spirit is of no use to us here in the natural. Amen? So I've got to take it and bring it here. And that's what faith does. That is the function of faith. It appropriates. It takes that which belongs to you, that has your name on it. What do you need? Healing It's already yours. It's been provided for. God is not going to heal you. He's already done so. Well, well, why am I so sick? Well, you can answer that. Why am I so broke? Why am I struggling under this yoke? You answer that. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Your unbelief, your doubt. Doubt and unbelief are the biggest thieves of God's blessings. Why? Because you wait to feel something and to see something before you declare that God's Word is true. In other words, you put your faith in your feelings rather than in God's Word. You make your feelings and your body your God rather than the Word of God and submit to that Word. Is that hitting home? Praise God. Your feelings are not your God. And the Word of God is not subject to how we feel and what we see. What we see and what we feel, the Word of God says, is temporary. For that which is seen is temporary, but that which is not seen is eternal. 
The world of the Spirit has created this natural world. God, through the Word, the Word is Spirit. Spirit has created all material and physical things. And this material, physical world will respond to the Spirit, to the words of God, to the Word who created it. The Word is the Creator. God has given us His Word to put it in our mind, in our heart, and in our mouths. And thereby control and govern your natural circumstances. You don't like the world you live in? Change it. You don't like the atmosphere you walk in? Then change it with the words of your mouth and with your renewed mind. Hello? You don't like the environment or the atmosphere at work? Then you have the authority in the name of Jesus through the Word of God to change that atmosphere rather than allowing the ungodly and the unbeliever to influence you. You're not a thermometer. You should be the thermostat <laughs> that controls that atmosphere through your faith. I mean, that's why we're teaching you guys. You are a minister. You are a representative of Christ wherever God placed you to function. And why did He place you where He placed you? So that you can extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom in your sphere of influence through your faith. Rather than coming, oh, Pastor, please pray for me. It's an ungodly atmosphere where I'm working. I cannot, I cannot function in that. Why not change it? You have the faith. You have the power. The one that raised Jesus from the dead, resurrection power within you. Why not change it? Use that power. Exercise your faith. Change the atmosphere through your words and through your faith. The grace is God's part. Remember that. And grace is God's unmerited, undeserved. It's not because of who you are or what. It's got nothing to do with you and I. I don't care how good, how righteous you think you are. Your righteousness, the Bible says, are as filthy rags. God has poured out His grace to all mankind, the most vile, the most wicked, the most sinful person has been given the grace of God. And that is why you and I need to go out and tell them what God has done for them. That is the power of the gospel. Good news. Hey, poor, you don't have to be poor anymore. Hey, murderer, you don't have to be murderer. You can, God can change your nature through the new birth. God has forgiven you. God is not mad against you. God is not upset with you. God is not angry with you. He has already poured out all of His anger, all of His wrath, all of His judgment on His Son 2,000 years ago. And now He's looking for you, not to judge you, not to condemn you, but to bless you. When people know that, they will, run, they will not run from God. They will run to God. Amen? And let, let me say this. I'm going to take a little longer. I know the time is up there, but I'm going to take... Faith does not move God or make God do anything 
Because sometimes, I, I've even believed that. Faith moves God. No, God has already moved. He's not moving. He's seated. He's already done the work. God has already moved and done all there is to do concerning our salvation and deliverance. If we can fully grasp this truth, I tell you, it will revolutionize our approach to God as well as revolutionize the way we pray. Instead of going to God with a beggar's attitude, hoping that God will hear you and hoping that God will respond to your need if you fast enough, if you cry enough, if you shout enough. Some people think that God is deaf, so all they do is shout. Hello? We will approach God with such confidence, such boldness, and assurance, knowing that God has already made provision for our need. I don't have to do anything. Simply believe. Not because I go to church every Sunday. Not because I tithe or don't tithe. Not because I read the Bible. And I do. But that is not the reason why I read. I read so that I can renew my mind. I know what God, so that I know what God has given me, what belongs to me. I don't do it to earn anything. And many believers are under that yoke of legalism. They're striving, they're trying. And the more you try and the more you strive, the further away you are from God. Because you put yourself under the law. Hello? God has already made provision for our need. And it's there for the taking, according to the Scriptures. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come timidly, cowardly, begging, doubting. No. Is that what it says? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because you've been made the righteousness of God. And because God has already made provision. It's there. That we may obtain. Doesn't say maybe we will get what we... No, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Did you see that? Meditate on that. Meditate for a whole month. Think about that as you drive to work, as you're busy doing your chores or whatever it is that we are occupied with. Let your mind focus on that. God says, come. Come boldly. To what throne? Not the throne of judgment, but the throne of grace. And do what? Obtain it. Receive it. Obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Amen? So, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because I want you to get it. God has already moved on your behalf. He's not going to move anymore. He's already sat down. And He waits now for all of His enemies to be made His footstool. He rested. And that is why the Word of God says we must labor to enter into 
the rest of God. Faith always rests, not strives. Well, I'm trying, Pastor, to believe. No, don't try. It's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of resting because you know. You know. Amen. God has already moved on our behalf by sending Jesus to the cross, and through his sacrifice, he has done it all for us. The word declares in Psalm 107, verse 2, he sent his word and did what? Going to heal us. No. Going to deliver you. No. Going to prosper you. No. He sent his word and healed them, past tense, delivered them, prospered them, and delivered them from their destructions. That is why Psalm 107 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for what? For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, that we would give thanks. You know, once we grasp this revelation, most of our prayers would be thank you. Not give me thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And all we need to do now is believe. When the crowd asked Jesus in John 6, 28 and 29, what shall we do that we might do the works of God? Good question, isn't it? What shall we do that we may do the works of God? Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Simple, isn't it? That you believe. Only believe. Fear not. Only believe. Doubt not. Only believe. Struggle not. Only believe. Jesus also said, John 14, 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. What are we to believe? When the jailer was about to kill himself, Paul shouted out, he says, don't do yourself no harm, we all here. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did Paul say? Believe. <laughs> There's that word again. You will find it everywhere in the New Testament. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy household. What must we believe? Believe in the grace of God, which was revealed in the finished work of Christ. And believe me, it takes effort to enter into that rest. When all of those doubts come telling you, oh, God is not going to heal you, you're not going to get your healing, you're not going to get your answer prayer, you're not going, nothing is going, this is going to happen. There's, there's a battle that goes on. That is why the Word says we labor to enter into that rest. It takes effort and diligence to just rest in the knowledge that God has already provided 
cared for you, protecting you, everything that you need comes to divine protection. God has already sent His angel. And wherever you go, He goes with you. You know that? But I've never seen my angel. I haven't either, but I know He's here. He's right here. Your angels are right here in this room. Just because you can't see them, it doesn't mean they're not here. Many times God had rescued you and you didn't even realize that it was God. Hello? Believe. God had instructed me at the beginning of the year to do what? To elevate our faith, to exercise your faith, to help you exercise your faith and my faith so that we may see a greater manifestation of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the favor of God upon our lives. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for your grace and thank you that you have already moved on our behalf. You have provided for every need. You have anticipated everything that we will ever require or desire in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's already done. Lord, words are inadequate at this point to thank you enough for what you have already done on the cross of Calvary through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we ask that you may grant us your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of what you have already done and given us so that we may through faith appropriate all that you have given, all that you have purchased through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.